The movie discussed on this episode of Multiple Sadness is rated or It contains adult language and discusses nudity and depictions of violence. This podcast should be listened to only at night. Thank you and have a nice day. Sadness, a horrible podcast about horrible movies, so bad they're good, but still mostly bad. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode, we combine shoddy detective work with tons of Japanese cliches and some terrible special effects. In this week's movie, Sergeant Kabuki Man, LAPD. I'm not going to do a lot of news on this show or updates, but uh, I did want to mention that... um, uh, you can find this podcast at multiplesadness.com. And uh, not a lot of people know about the show yet. Uh, I've put the episodes out, the first two episodes, and they've done okay. But they haven't got as many downloads as I was hoping for. So uh, what I would ask is that if you have a friend who likes bad movies or uh, you know somebody who's just into either horror or silly stuff or whatever, uh, let them know about this show. Maybe this is something they'd like to listen to. Uh, you can go to iTunes and find Multiple Sadness and leave a rating for the show there or just share the uh, URL on Facebook or Twitter or uh, you know anywhere you want, something like that. But uh, help me get the word out on this show. I also uh, got some emails from people asking me if I was going to cover Sharknado. And uh, I, I don't think I'm going to. I think uh, the the movies I enjoy are the ones that are really bad but were uh, not uh, done to be intentionally bad. Although <laughs> you could uh, argue about this week's uh, movie. But uh, I, I'll leave Sharknado uh, to the other guys. And I will go ahead uh, and get started talking about this week's movie, Sergeant Kabuki Man, L.A.P.D. His name is Sergeant Harry Griswold. He's an undercover cop who takes his job seriously. I need to commandeer this vehicle. A regrettable twist of fate has chosen you as a recipient of amazing supermortal powers. He becomes Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Only a beautiful, tender woman, Lotus can carefully teach Harry the subtle nuances of the Kabuki way. She trains him in the proper use of Kabuki Man's amazing arsenal of high-tech super weapons, heat-seeking chopsticks, computerized 16-byte sushi, futuristic flying footwear, bulletproof Gale Force fans, and pyro-projectile parasols. He is a one-man army of awesome oriental artifacts. He is Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. Sergeant 
Originally released in 1990, Sergeant Kabuki Man LAPD was directed by Michael Herz and Lloyd Kaufman. It was written by Lloyd Kaufman. He wrote the original story. The screenplay was also done by Lloyd Kaufman, Andrew Osborne, and Jeffrey W. Sass, who has uh, four different trauma credits to his name. Lloyd Kaufman, uh, as you may know, the head of trauma, actually has... uh, 273 acting credits on IMDb. He has 100 producer credits, 34 writing credits, and 41 directing credits. So Lloyd Kaufman definitely knows his way around a B-movie. Michael Hurst has also produced 66 movies, directed nine, and wrote five. Uh, He's probably most well-known for directing the first three Toxic Avenger films. Uh, Andrew Osborne, who was one of the writers, he wrote, uh, behind enemy lines, uh, which is a big leap from Sergeant Kabuki man, LAPD. IMDB rates this film 5.8 out of 10 stars. And according to IMDB, people that enjoyed this movie also enjoyed class of Newcomb high part two class of Newcomb high part three. Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, <laughs> Redneck Zombies, uh, Squeeze Play, and Waitress. Um, and it looks like all of those films have uh, direct ties to trauma. Redneck Zombies is directed by Pericles Lunas, who uh, did the special effects for this film. Squeeze Play, uh, that's directed by Lloyd Kaufman. Waitress is a, another Kaufman hearse. Uh, combination. So if you like this film, chances are you're going to like other trauma films and vice versa. The cast of this movie stars uh, Rick, uh, I believe it's Janazi. Uh, he uh, is Harry Griswold and he also portrays Sergeant Kabuki Man. Kabuki Man San Joe. He has 14 acting credits on IMDb, and this appears about halfway through his career. So, uh, didn't get a start with Kabuki Man and didn't end on Kabuki Man, but that is not the case for many of the other actors <laughs> that appear in this film. Uh, we have uh, Susan Bayoun. Uh, she plays Lotus. Fly slowly. You do not have your superhero learner's permit yet. She, uh, this is her first acting credit. And in this movie, she is, uh, absolutely horrible. <laughs> She's, you can tell it is her first acting credit it might be her first day of acting. There's also uh, Bill Whedon. He plays Reginald Stewart. Who's one of the bad guys. Uh, this is his first credited acting credit. Uh, we have Thomas Kernchevik. Uh, he is Rembrandt. My Rembrandt never fails. He is an artist of death. This is his first acting credit. Then we have Larry Robinson, who portrays Reverend Snipes, and this is his only big screen acting credit. Uh, and finally, we have Noble Lee Lester, who portrays Captain Bender. Uh, he's the police captain, and this is his first big screen acting credit. I suppose I should also mention uh, Toyota the Monkey. There is a monkey <laughs> in this film uh, who is played by a real monkey named Daniel Boone. So, what's with the monkey? His name is Toyota. Toyota? He was born in the back seat of a 2000 ZT. I like a dog-faced monkey that has an appreciation for expensive sports cars. Uh, and he is voiced by Jeffrey Sass, one of the writers. So. Uh, 
there that uh, pretty much completes the cast. Of course, there are lots of extras because this is a, a typical trauma film. And now uh, I will go ahead and do a quick dramatic plot summary. 1,000 years ago, the Evil One was driven from the face of the globe. Evil will rise again, and the Evil One will return. That time is now. At the end of Mercury's next journey, the dragon will dance through the hoop of Jupiter. If at that moment the monkey will ride the jaguar and the tiger will feast on the nubile, the order of the universe will be such that the Evil One will reign supreme for all eternity. There's only one being that could confront the Evil One, the Chosen One is on his way to us now. So the only person that can stop the ancient spirit is Kabuki Man. The spirit of Kabuki Man has been transferred to Officer Griswold of the New York Police Department. Griswold must learn to control his powers of Kabuki Man in order to defeat the Chosen One, all while still cleaning up the streets of New York City. There's so much more to this movie than that, <laughs> but that is the basic gist. Uh, this movie, there is a PG cut of this movie. I've never seen it. Uh, the DVD release is the director's cut, uh, which is rated R for uh, nudity and violence and some language, although really nudity and violence. <laughs> uh, the PG version uh, there are a few murders that have been cut out. The, the nudity has been cut out. Uh, the drug use has been cut out. Um, several other scenes were cut out. Uh, but uh, all of those scenes are back in in the uh, unrated director's cut, which if you buy this on DVD or find this online, and no doubt uh, that is the version you will be able to find. Uh, this film... Uh, this film is kind of a mess, and I'll be talking about that, uh, but it actually took seven years before it was released because they could not find uh, anybody to release it. <laughs> so uh, my first impressions of the film, how did I find out about Sergeant Kabuki Man, LAPD? Well, uh, when I first got a DVD player, I found a hole-in-the-wall rental store that had lots of uh, horror movies, and they actually had a trauma film section. This movie was uh, produced by Troma, and I uh, started watching a few Troma films, and I thought they were so great that I went on eBay, and I actually found uh, an eBay auction with 25 Troma DVDs, and I think I paid about $50 for it. Uh, so it was a really good deal, uh, I suppose. <laughs> you could argue that uh, either way, I suppose. Um, but uh, So I got my copy of Sergeant Kabuki Man LAPD uh, from that eBay lot, which would have been around the year maybe 2000, 2001, uh, sometime around then. Uh, Troma, if you're not familiar with them, they are known for, probably most well-known for the Toxic Avenger films. Uh, more recent films are Terra Firmer and Tromeo and Juliet. They uh, are well-known for both making their own horrible movies and producing and releasing other people's uh, horrible movies. Uh, a DVD set I have of theirs I got at a different time is uh, called Make Your Own Damn Movie. It is a five-DVD set, and it is all about uh, how to make your own movie. And uh, it's very funny and entertaining and insightful uh, to low-budget film production. 
Title breakdown, Sergeant Kabuki Man LAPD. Well, I like it. I like the title of this movie, and it tells you exactly uh, you know, what's going on here. We obviously know it's going to star a Kabuki Man, um, but we also know that he is a sergeant, you know, Sergeant Kabuki Man, and NYPD tells us that he has something to do with the police force. So I, I really like the title of this film. Uh, the cover of the DVD... It has uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD written on there, and uh, Kabuki Man appears holding a flaming pair of chopsticks, uh, and then the bottom, oh, I don't know, fifth, uh, you know, the just the very bottom strip across the bottom uh, of the cover has uh, the New York City skyline at night, and then there's a picture of Lotus uh, holding an Uzi. I don't think Lotus has a gun. Well, I'm trying to think now. I don't think Lotus ever has a gun in this movie, but it makes for a good cover. Uh, so, uh, so there you go. Let's talk about the plot of this movie. And normally I don't do a full plot uh, rundown of a movie, but this movie is so convoluted and kind of confusing that uh, I decided to write a little bit longer summary this time. Uh, the, uh, the beginning of the movie starts with a prophecy. Venerable Ancestors. 1,000 years ago, the evil one was driven from the face of the globe. As we then foretold, there would come a time when evil, corruption, and perversion would rise again, and the evil one would be able to return. That time is now. At the end of Mercury's next journey, the dragon shall dance through the hoop of Jupiter. If at that moment, the monkey will ride the jaguar, and the tiger will feast on the nubile, the order of the universe will be such that the evil one will reign supreme for eternity. There is only one being who can confront the evil one. The chosen one is on his way to us now. Right after a scene in which uh, that is relayed to us, the audience, we cut right to a scene where two small children uh, are stabbed to death by a maniacal uh, a homicidal killer, it appears, uh, who's wearing a woman's wig. It's a very strange scene. And um, unfortunately, uh, the, the children are killed off off screen, so we don't actually see them murdered, but uh, we've seen a knife shortly afterwards. So it's pretty obvious what has happened. Uh, and then we see two kabuki actors, uh, a married couple, and uh, the man is stabbed, and we do see him uh, stabbed. And then the woman is thrown out of the window, and uh, the the woman lands on top of a guy who has just been snorting cocaine off the top of his uh, convertible. And right when she lands on that guy, so I guess we can assume he's dead and she's dead, plus the man and the two children. And I paused it, and you're right at the three-minute mark of Sergeant Kabuki Man LAPD. So that is one, two, three, four, five deaths in the first three minutes. And that really sets the tone for this goofy movie. I was following up on a lead to what some might consider just another New York City massacre. A pretty woman thrown out of a high-rise window, her Japanese husband disemboweled, and their two kids turned into shredded wheat. Um, after that, uh, the the play goes on. There's an old man named Sato, and he has the spirit of Kabuki Man, but he's ready to pass that spirit on uh, to uh, – he's going to pass it on to the actor that we just saw get killed. Um, but all the other 
actors that have been killed have been replaced on stage by uh, the the bad guys goons who, uh, during the performance, they uh, open fire, they open up guns, and they kill uh, people in the the audience, and they kill uh, people on stage. and And Sato is mortally wounded. And Lotus, who I believe is his granddaughter, begs for the the spirit of Kabuki Man, but instead uh, we we meet uh, Sergeant Griswold of the NYPD, who is the star of the film, and he intervenes. Uh, he's on stage. He's trying to stop the murders and, and uh, get control of the situation. And he falls to the ground and Sato is next to him. And then in a uh, very awkward uh, kind of kiss sequence, the spirit of Kabuki Man is transferred from Sato before he dies uh, to uh, Sergeant Griswold. So it's kind of like in the, the scene from uh, Ninja 3, The Domination, where the, <laughs> the spirit of the ninja is transferred uh, from one person to another. So uh, uh, what what begins to happen to Sergeant Griswold is he begins to randomly turn into Sergeant Kabuki Man. It's almost like an alter ego. And when uh, it, we see little hints of this happening, his shoes disappear at one point and he's wearing wooden sandals. At one point his pants disappear and he's wearing the bottom half of a like a, a an oriental robe. And uh, so this continues uh, for a little bit. And then uh, Sergeant Griswold goes on a date with a fellow officer, Officer LaRosa. They go to Central Park. Hey, look, I usually go jogging after work. You want to join me? No, running. I'll be wearing my new spandex jogging shorts. I was just saying to myself I should get some more exercise spandex. And uh, while they are jogging and exercising, she gets attacked and it looks appears to be raped uh, in Central Park while there are all these people standing around watching. Uh, and this, in this moment, Sergeant Griswold does a full transformation into Sergeant Kabuki Man. It's kind of like the Hulk. Uh, and then he goes into a fight in Central Park uh, where he beats up all the bad guys. Um, his shoes magically fly off the bench and conk a guy in the head, which is kind of a funny scene. Uh, one of the bad guys uh, accidentally shoots one of the other bad guys with Griswold's gun. Uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man uses a, a big, like, oriental fan uh, to fan a guy up into a tree. He impales one of the bad guys with about 100 chopsticks. Uh, there's a lady who's critiquing Sergeant Kabuki Man, and he shoots sushi rolls into her mouth to shut her up. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he hits one guy with a fan, a very comical thing. It's almost like a Three Stooges routine. Uh, he hits him in the stomach, then hits him in the head, hits him in the stomach, hits him in the head. Uh, it's very funny, and then the guy falls down, and then Sergeant Kabuki Man goes there and stomps his head, and his brains come out of his skull. This is a very bizarre movie, uh, and, and like I said, I will be talking uh, more about the uh, the tone of the movie here very shortly. Uh, later on, uh, the, uh, his girlfriend, Officer LaRosa, dies. The, the bad guys kill her in the hospital. Damon, you were I supposed to give her aspirin. Look what you did to her. And so Sergeant Kabuki Man uh, goes to confront them, and he tries to turn into Kabuki Man, but this time it's, you know, it's out of anger. And instead, he turns into a circus clown. Oh, that's it. Kabuki spirit, come on down! 
which makes absolutely no sense, but it, this is a weird trauma production, so you go with it. And this leads to a really long uh, chase sequence that goes through. This is probably one of the big productions in the movie. Uh, at first, the clown is uh, on foot, uh, which, which is uh, Griswold. Uh, then he, uh, he he stops a toddler and takes his tricycle. And so he tries to make his getaway on a tricycle, which is a very odd choice, but that's what he does. Uh, and then after the tricycle is run over by a car, he grabs parts, puts it back together, and makes a unicycle. So then we have a unicycle chase. And, of course, uh, the cars chasing him can't catch uh, – Officer Griswold <laughs> on a unicycle when they're in cars. Um, so eventually uh, he, he does escape and he meets up with Lotus and Lotus tells him that he, uh, he he's confused. He doesn't know what's happening to him, but she tells him that he has the spirit of Kabuki man, that he is the chosen one, that he will have to fight the evil one. And so she trains him to uh, master his Kabuki powers uh, and so eventually Sergeant Kabuki man does his police work and he arrests the evil reverend, but, uh, Reginald, who is the, uh, evil city uh, business owner escapes. Uh, and so while he's trying to get him, Kabuki man then eventually has to face the evil one in one final showdown. So in this movie, uh, I, I've said this phrase a few times already. It's a mess. Uh, it, it runs in different directions all the time. Uh, and so, uh, I, I watched the DVD and the, and the DVD also has a commentary track. I listened to that as well. And it's from uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Lloyd Kaufman tells a story about how he was, um, in, uh, uh, toxic Avenger two, there's a character named Kabuki boy. And so apparently, uh, they were in Japan and toxic Avenger was doing very well in Japan. It was, uh, uh, partially filmed in Japan and he went to a press conference and they asked what Troma was working on next. And he made a joke and said it was going to be a movie about uh, Kabuki Boy. Uh, so Troma was approached by Namco, which if you listen to uh, any of my video game podcasts, you know who Namco is. They are the uh, powerhouse behind Pac-Man and lots of uh, not only video games, but marketable video games. Uh, and so they love the idea of Kabuki, you know, a Kabuki character that could be marketed in video games and cartoons and T-shirts and all kinds of things for kids. Uh, so Namco... Uh, gave Troma one and a half million dollars. They made an investment uh, to make this film. And so right off the bat, there was a conflict between uh, Kaufman and, well, I, I wrote Kaufman and Hearst, but really Kaufman and everybody else. Uh, everybody else saw this as an opportunity to get Troma out of the B-movie area and to uh, make a movie that was uh, family-friendly and uh, would be marketable, and they could make a lot of money off of Sergeant Kabuki Man uh, dolls for kids and T-shirts and all kinds of things. But um, Lloyd Kaufman did not see it that way. Lloyd Kaufman wanted to keep the uh, trauma, the over-the-top violence and, and nudity uh, that was typical in a, a trauma film. And so, unfortunately, what we get in this movie is a little bit of both. They didn't go one way or the other, and the tone is constantly chasing them. I mean, there are uh, parts of this movie that are very silly uh, and stuff that I would like to show my kids because I think they would think it was funny. And then right away, uh, you know, or right after that, you have a scene where you have uh, a Sergeant Kabuki man stomping a guy and watching his brain squish out of his skull, which I'm not going to let my children watch. <laughs> 
and, and there's conflicts all the way through, even through the characters like Kabuki Man. Uh, he knows that he's the, or he finds out that he's the chosen one and that he has to uh, fight the evil one. But for a long time, he doesn't do that. Instead, he's uh, um, Griswold and he's following, you know, trying to track down these other uh, bad guys in the film. And then when he becomes Kabuki Man, uh, instead of focusing on the evil one, he kind of becomes like a, a superhero crime fighter. And, he, and there's a whole long montage where he goes around and, and he, you know, uh, takes care of people. Um, you know, there's a, a car thief, like he stops a car thief and there's a, a hooker, uh, and, and her pimp and he uh, kills them, which is another just weird over the top scene. So, uh, lots and lots of conflict as far as, um, the pacing. I mean, if you're going to make an over the top movie, I'm okay with that, but you got to stick with it, you know, or if you're going to make one that's family friendly, do that, but you can't go back and forth. It's two genres that they, they just don't mesh well together. I mean, obviously you have, uh, if the, the, um, market for one is family friendly, small children. And the other one is, you know, a hard R rating for violence and nudity. You can't make a movie that's half and half. You got to pick one or the other. If we had more time, we could build the foundations of the relationship on mutual respect and trust. As it is, it will be easier to work with fear and pain. There's other parts uh, of the movie that have problems. I wrote down that uh, there's some serious pacing problems with this movie, um, especially towards the end. I mean, the end, uh, there's going to be a payoff. There's a joke, and, and it comes around. But the, the final conflict should be about two minutes long. And it's at least 20 minutes long. It just drags on forever. And um, uh, you would be, I mean, they could even lop off the last 20 minutes and it would be a fairly complete movie. I mean, you don't, you, you would miss the final showdown between the, uh, uh, the evil one and the chosen one. But, um, you know, it feels like the movie should be over before that. And so I would, um, if I were going to do this, I would edit out about 15 or 20 minutes of this movie. I mean, it's not a long movie. It's an hour and a half movie, but it feels, especially with the ending that's on here, it feels um, a lot longer than that. My goodness, that's a lot of morphine the doctors prescribed. Oh, well, doctor knows best. There is some social commentary in this movie that I wrote down. Um, it's mostly given to us um, as dialogue. There's uh, when Sato gets killed. There's a uh, a reporter that runs right up on stage and starts interviewing Lotus. You know, asking her questions. How did it feel watching your grandfather being mowed down by machine guns? <laughs> uh, there's also um, uh, they they talk to the actors. And, uh, you know, they do the typical we don't want to be involved uh, type of thing. And then uh, later on, there's a guy talking to the police. And uh, the police, this is after the uh, big Central Park uh, violent scene. Uh, and uh, he says, Officer, don't bother taking notes. Only three people were killed. Uh, there's some comments about crime and probably New York at the time. I mean, this this would have had to been filled, filmed in the uh uh, late eighties. So it's definitely a different New York city than what we have now. Now, you know, we have the, uh, the big Toys R Us store and the M&M store in, in Times Square. And, uh, in the late eighties, uh, we didn't, we didn't really have that. As far as the direction and the editing go, they're pretty terrible. <laughs> um, the, the actors, uh, almost every actor in this movie, I would, I would classify as terrible. There are a few of the thugs, 
that are okay. But, um, I mean, uh, Officer uh, or Sergeant Griswold is uh, not good, and everybody else is worse. Lotus is particularly terrible uh, in some of the lines she delivers. You fool! They do not have the one responsible for my grandfather's death. Why do you say that? Because my grandfather was not killed by a man. His death was orchestrated by the spirit of the evil one. Evil spirits? Come on now, you're a full-grown woman, all right? You just talk to me in normal English. The editing does not help things. Uh, There's a scene uh, where they are at the Statue of Liberty, or they are uh, away from the Statue of Liberty, where they are near, I don't know what you call these things, little... uh, binocular like the metal binocular things where you put a coin in and you can look at the statue of liberty and there's a shot that's uh, several minutes long that cuts back and forth between lotus uh and uh, griswold and every time it does it the people that are behind them are changed i mean (laughs) it's like a shot of her with people in the background shot of him people in the background shot of her different people shot of him different people shot of her no people shot of him no people or different people. And then, then there's the people that were there at the beginning. I mean, it's so obviously it's, it's uh, so distracting that it's comical. And that's definitely not the only place in the movie where that happens. Um, there's also a uh, really bad cut right at the beginning when the, the lady is thrown out the window uh, as she's about to be thrown out the window, they show a shot on the window and, and the window obviously is just a poster or a picture behind, you know, a hole uh, and then she goes out the window and it looks like a completely different cityscape. <laughs> it's, but it's so different that it's jarring. It's not like you go, oh, that, that looked fake, but I see what they were trying to do. It's literally like they just hung a picture of a different city uh, behind the window. So that, the editing on this uh, wasn't, wasn't uh, necessarily done well. Then again, it's a trauma film. So that, that's kind of what uh, you're expecting. I have tried in vain to reason with you Japanese style. Now I must resort to American style. Uh, as far as costumes and props, well, the, the big costumes would be uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man's outfit, which um, actually looks pretty good. He has a, a puffy chest piece you know, for his big red muscly chest. Uh, and uh, he, he looks like a... I don't know that he looks like a kabuki man. He looks like a cross between uh, maybe a kabuki performer uh, and uh, Ronald McDonald, maybe. I mean, his costume is very uh, red and yellow, bright colors. We also have uh, uh, Sergeant Griswold when he turns into the clown, and he just looks like a stereotypical clown. And uh, obviously there's a stunt double riding the unicycle and things because, uh, one, they've put in a really big, oversized, large clown costume and the other one is just normal size person. Um, so that's, uh, kind of jarring when it jumps back in between the two. Also, sometimes he has a red nose on, sometimes he doesn't, but again, you can't, uh, you can't worry about continuity on a movie like this. Uh, Lotus, uh, we see her wearing a lot of stereotypical, uh, kimonos and dresses. Uh, everybody else I'm sure just wore, you know, things out of their closet. Okay. I'm wearing a dress. First, I'm kissed by a guy. Now I'm wearing a dress. Fine. The other big uh, costume uh, slash prop would be the evil one who appears at the end of the movie. He is a giant monster uh, who has come back. And um, they, they wanted to make him the epitome of evil. So he's holding two severed heads that are both Hitler's heads. Uh, and then he looks like a big giant monster. 
and also he has a big moving green tapeworm coming out of his crotch area. So there's no there's no part of him where you think, is that a bad guy or not a bad guy? You're pretty sure he's a bad guy. Also, he has big giant fangs and red hair and blue skin. Uh, so it's pretty obvious that he is uh, definitely the evil one. So he is named appropriately. You don't start talking, I'm going to make yakitori out of you. Filming locations. According to uh, the credits of the movie and IMDb, it was filmed uh, mostly around Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, and in New York City, New York. Uh, There's some shots that take place in Times Square. There's a lot of shots uh, that are supposed to be in Central Park, but what I have gathered is that those were not actually filmed uh, in Central Park, but they were filmed in uh, uh, a different park in Hoboken, New Jersey. And a lot of the uh, filming locations um, appear to be in Hoboken. There's St. Joseph's Church in Hoboken, uh, Palisades General Hospital, Atlantic Tropical Market, the Clam Broth House, and Liberty State Park. So those are all in New Jersey, and apparently um, they had a lot of corp- uh, cooperation with the people from uh, New Jersey. And so uh, they did a lot of the filming there, and it was supposed to, uh, you know, look like like uh, Manhattan and downtown New York city Uh, soundtrack of Sergeant Kabuki man. There is a very, there are only two songs other than the, uh, the background soundtrack. And the first is uh, Sergeant Kabuki man theme song. And here's just about five or 10 seconds of that. I will attach that entire song at the end of the podcast if you'd like to uh, hear the whole song in its entirety. But it is a great song. It's very catchy. Uh, I, I, you know, anytime I'm talking about this movie, I will do at least that little part of it. Uh, there's also a uh, another song. Oh, I should mention it was written by um, Dan Sky and Paul Short, and uh, it was performed by Chris Carroll on guitars and Jeff Barron on drums. Um, it's, it's a very catchy song. It appears a few times in the movie and it does play through the credits. The other song that plays in the credits is a song called Onatsu Kayoren, and that is performed by Kabuki Rocks. The musical score of the movie is performed by Bob Mithoff. Uh, he is a, uh, composer. He did soundtracks for such movies as 1994's Cyborg Cop 2, 1993's New York Cop, 1992 Seed People, and he also worked on uh, Class of Nukem High Part 2. And I found Bob online at bobsmusicalcafe.com, where he does background music for radio DJ spots and things like that. So you could go to bobsmusiccafe.com and tell him that you love the music from Sergeant Kabuki Man. I bet he would, I bet this is a highlight on his uh, <laughs> resume. Detective! Soon the dragon will dance through the hoop of Jupiter. If at that moment the monkey will ride the jaguar and the tiger will feast on the nubile, the order of the universe will be such that the evil one will reign supreme for eternity. There are only a few days left. Oh, oh my. And I haven't even started shopping yet. 
Uh, special effects and stunts. Let's see. Well, we start off right off the bat with a uh, lady jumping out of the window. Uh, on the commentary track, Lloyd Coffin mentions that right before uh, they shot that, they noticed that the stuntman uh, had a full mustache that was supposed to be the woman. And so they, they stopped the cameras. They had him shave off the mustache uh, and put a wig on him and then uh, had him jump out the window. Uh, we have the uh, Kabuki Man chase, which uh, uh, takes place as uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man turns into uh, a clown and runs all the way through downtown New York City with uh, these guys chasing him in cars. Um, uh, lots of little stunts of him, you know, falling on the hood of the car and things like that. Uh, and then there's the car flip and explosion. Now, if you're a fan of trauma, you know about this. If you're not, I will tell you about it. But there's a stunt that appears in this movie where one of the cars hits another car and it flies up in the air, does a barrel roll, lands on the ground and then explodes. Um, it was shot for this movie. But because this movie sat on the shelves for so long, uh, they, they recycled that and they used it in Tromeo and Juliet. Then this movie got released and people said, oh, they stole it from Tromeo and Juliet, where in reality they used it. I mean, it appeared here first and then they had put it in Tromeo and Juliet. But now what Troma does is they use it in all their movies. So if you've ever seen a Troma movie released after, oh, 1990 or so, and there's a car chase and one of the cars does a barrel roll and flips and blows up. It's that scene is from this movie. So that's kind of an inside uh, trauma joke. There's lots of special effects in this movie that use backwards uh, camera work. In other words, where uh, things were recorded in reverse and then in the movie they uh, are played the other way. So uh, when um, all the when the guys are blown into uh, the tree, you can tell that they really just jumped out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was shown in reverse. There's a scene where uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man holds his sword up to uh, uh, Reginald's throat, and uh, that was shot in reverse where it was held up against his throat first and then pulled away. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's a few scenes that are pretty obvious uh, when that happens. And speaking of camera tricks, the uh, the car chase is also noticeably sped up. As the cars are going around corners and driving and weaving, you can tell that the, the film has been sped up uh, to make the cars look like they're going a little bit faster uh, than they uh, really were. There are uh, special effects of Sergeant Kabuki Man flying. Uh, he finds out that he can fly, and they are all terrible. Um, you could have done uh, a blue screen at that time, and I don't think it would have cost that much, but they saved money by uh, hanging him from wires, which you can see in every shot where he's flying. Uh, there are some other camera tricks. There are some shots where he's supposed to be flying, and they apparently just put him in a bucket truck and lifted it up and then kind of wiggled the camera around to make it look like he was flying. And uh, uh, there's a few other things. But in no, there's no shot in this where you would think, I wonder how they did that, because they're all very obvious uh, how they did that. There is one uh, slow burn stunt. There's a guy uh, on the roof uh, during one of the final showdowns that gets set on fire. And uh, and he not only gets set on fire, but he then falls off of the building. So that's an actual, you know, pretty good stunt. Uh, there are several fight scenes. In fact, there's one between Lotus, uh, the uh, Asian woman, and Sergeant Griswold that takes place on a sidewalk, uh, and that goes on uh, for quite a while. I don't get my jollies beating up women, you know. Um, I, I guess the big uh, special effect would be the transformation of uh, the guy towards the end into the evil one. Uh, he, he turns into a giant larva first. 
Uh, and there's all kinds of things. There's inflatable bladders, there's makeup, there's slime. Uh, and then he turns into this larva and then he turns it eventually into the evil one. Uh, the evil one costume or prop itself is not very animated. In fact, I don't even think he can walk around. <laughs> There's just a pretty immobile, but they, you know, they did what they could do with it. And it looks pretty good. Obviously, uh, considering the budget of the movie, there are eight stuntmen listed in the credits of this movie. And I'm sure that doesn't surprise me because there are, there are a lot of stunts, uh, in this movie. Although when you sign up for a trauma film, I suspect you're somewhat expected to do your own stunts as well. The bamboo can withstand more blows than your nether regions. Uh, in the credits, the closing credits of this film, there are a lot of silly credits. I think that's probably a trauma staple. Uh, there's a list of people who uh, acted in the film, and then there's a small list of people who did not act in this film, like Pete Rose and Richard Nixon. Uh, under grips, uh, there's different grips listed and there's one that says seesaw grip and it is, uh, the name is I am fulcrum, which is funny because fulcrum, uh, is spelled wrong. There's also a golf grip and the name is keep thumbs locked, uh, and under key grip, then there's key gripe, which is uh, the food stinks and key grope who is joy to touch. <laughs> so the key grope is joy to touch. Uh, and then uh, we see lots of thanks. There's a thanks to the uh, New York City and New Jersey. And then uh, the mayor, Patrick Pascoli of Hoboken, New Jersey, is personally thanked, along with the uh, Hoboken Police Department and Fire Department. We also find out that all animals were trained by TIGERS, which stands for the Training Institute of Greatly Endangered and Rare Species, and are never drugged or sedated. We also learned that the cast and crew were also trained by Tigers, the Tromaville Institute of Greatly Exaggerated Movie Making Skills, and that they too are not drugged or sedated. Although, <laughs> I would, uh, you could question that last one. You're not gonna shoot me, are you? Uh, and then finally, in the closing credits, it says all rights reserved and all lefts made from the left lane. So lots of uh, time spent on funny jokes in the credits, not as much time uh, on funny jokes spent within the film. And that leads us to uh, this movie's top five quotes from Sergeant Kabuki Man, LAPD. Number five. <laughs> a way to a man's brain is through his nether regions. You win. Number four. Yes, I am a detective, and you are a fruit loop. Do not treat me as an inferior. I am easily your better. If only the order of the universe were not so unfair to womankind, I would have been chosen to receive the gift and would not now be dealing with such a penis-wielding imbecile as yourself. Number three. Do you know what it's like to be violated by a 300-pound Filipino skinhead named Gunther? It ain't no picnic. Number two. What you made me do, you weenie? What did you do to the car, you weenie? You're the driver. Number one. Who are you? I'm Kabuki Man. And now it's time for the Killer Bees. Wait a minute. You must be the... That's right, gringo. The Killer Bees. <laughs> The killer bees are bloody bodies, boobs, background blinks, B-movie tropes, and boggling questions. And this movie has lots 
of all those things. Let's start off with the bloody bodies. Right off the bat, we have the two children, which are stabbed, fortunately for us, off screen. We're spared seeing that, which is good because uh, we find out later in the credits that they are Lloyd Kaufman's children. Uh, the Kabuki actor himself is stabbed and his wife is thrown out the window, uh, who lands on one of the stock traders, the guy who's uh, snorting cocaine. Uh, we see Sato, the old Kabuki master, who is shot on stage. Uh, and then when the bad guys on stage start shooting, they shoot a lady who's sitting next to Griswold. They shoot her in the head, and that's how he discovers that the bullets are real. What are you doing? saved your life, miss. Remove yourself from my body, you filthy oaf! You're welcome. There's a uh, guy that's a parody of the lifestyles of the rich and famous, uh, and he's doing commentating. He gets shot in the head as well, and then uh, when Griswold shoots back, he shoots one of the bad guys in the crotch, which I'm going to assume uh, he's dead. Uh, we we see uh, Reginald's, uh, I believe it's his uh, nephew, who shows up and uh, uh, does it? He took the fall for the uh, thing. Uh, he took the fall for uh, the shooting at the Kabuki Theater, and he makes it out of bail in four hours. But Reginald thanks him by shooting him in the head. And by the way, every time somebody gets shot in the head, they throw up, which I don't know if that's a thing uh, in real life, but that happens a lot. And then we get to the Central Park uh, fight. We have the one bad guy who accidentally shoots another one of the bad guys. Uh, as I mentioned, there's one guy that gets impaled with a hundred chopsticks. And, uh, then there's the guy that, uh, gets his head stomped by Sergeant Kabuki man. Uh, Connie La Rosa, the officer that is dating uh, Sergeant Kabuki man, uh, is, uh, killed by an overdose in the hospital. The bad guy set her up for an overdose. Uh, eventually Sergeant Kabuki man becomes a, a cop and uh, he runs across a pimp and a hooker, and he kills them by uh, creating a human sushi roll and chopping them up. Uh, he also, um, ki- I- I'm going to say, kills a guy. We- it doesn't really think it doesn't seem like this would be fatal, but he dumps an entire uh, barrel full of wasabi on a guy. But when you see the guy, he looks pretty dead. So I'm going to call that um, another uh, bloody body in this movie. We have the guy who's uh, set on fire on the roof, uh, a guy who gets burned by uh, the evil one's acid, and uh, there's lots of other um, henchmen that get shot and killed and everything else in this movie, not to mention, uh, well, I don't want to give the ending away, but somebody dies there too. So, um, if, you, if you're looking for a body count, this movie's got it. Enough about bodies. Let's talk about boobs. And there are a few pairs of uh, boobs that appear in this movie. In the opening scene, there is uh, Mrs. Kabuki Man, uh, the the lady who was married to the actor. And it starts off with a love scene, which is weird because their kids are right in the next room. Uh, And then there is uh, the rape scene. That's in Central Park with Officer La Rosa. I don't know why. This scene makes no sense. I mean, you could just beat her up or mug her or do whatever. But it's very obvious that they're doing more than that. And they pull her shirt down so you can see everything. Uh, and then the guys all kind of get on top of her and get around her in a circle. Uh, it's a scene that does not help the movie in any way. And, um, I mean, it's just overly brutal for no reason. Uh, and then later, uh, Lotus, who has been training uh, Griswold to be able to harness his kabuki powers, uh, we, uh, 
they eventually fall in love and there is a uh, love scene between the two of them, which is almost two and a half minutes long. It's very, very long and very awkward. Um, and, and it doesn't, I mean, she's topless in it, obviously, but it's it's just way too long, and, and it's um, not. Um, I mean, when when uh, when it starts, you're like, oh yeah, and then literally ten, fifteen, twenty seconds into it, you're like, okay, this can stop, and it just it just keeps going on. So, but that's uh, typical trauma for you. Kabuki Man's spiritual powers come from mastering the haiku. What's that? Karate? No, it's a classical form of Japanese poetry, you turkey. In the background, there are lots of little things you can watch for in this movie. There are uh, wanted posters of uh, uh, Michael Hurst and uh, Lloyd Kaufman. There's all different kinds of funny signs. There's a sign uh, at the cleaners that they go to that says, drop your pants here. Little things like that. So uh, if you watch in the background, I think the uh, art department had a fun time in this movie uh, putting lots of little things in there. And now for B-movie tropes. There's so many things that I wrote down here that I don't know that they're B-movie tropes. Some of them are, some of them aren't, but they're just goofy things that happen uh, in this movie that I wanted to point out. The first of which, uh, let's see here. The bad guy, uh, oh yes, this is Reginald. He shoots his nephew in the head just to show how tough he is. He's in the middle of a business meeting. His nephew comes in whining, and he stops the meeting. He says, hold on for a second, then he shoots his nephew in the forehead, and then he goes back to business negotiating, you know. So this is just to show us what a cold, uh, calculating guy this is. But it's just, it's silly. Uh, we have the police department. Every time we see inside the police department, there's all kinds of crazy ruckus going on. Uh, officers fighting with uh, people in the background and people arguing, things like that. So that that's um, pretty common in movies like this. Uh, we have bad guys that stand around just watching Griswold transform into Kabuki Man when obviously they could shoot him <laughs> when he's not doing anything or or just beat him up, you know, but instead they wait to see uh, what's going to happen. Uh, Griswold and Kabuki Man constantly fall every time they're running, they're, especially in Central Park when he's trying to save uh, his girlfriend. He falls three times, which is just, I mean, he's, he's a police officer. So I'm guessing, I don't know what all goes into police officer training, but I'm guessing running uh, is one of the things that they master before they turn him loose with a gun. So uh, that part of it's a little silly. Uh, of course, we have the uh, the B movie trope that uh, Captain Bender, who's his police captain, doesn't see the big picture. So, as Griswold is trying to explain to him uh, what all the bad guys are doing, he's like, "No, and and you're going to be off the case. Give me your gun and your badge," which doesn't stop him because multiple times throughout the movie, after that, he shows his gun and his badge. So, uh, I don't. That must have been something they shot and put in later and forgot about or something, um, because that's a, that's a big loophole that's very obvious uh, that appears. Um, you know, we have the thing where he turns into the clown, and uh, I don't even understand that. That's that should probably go under questions or whatever. But uh, I th that doesn't. It's not explained. It's not anything. It's just um, I guess they just decided they wanted a clown chase in the movie. Uh, we have the trope of the car chase being sped up. Uh, you know, when um, uh, they're running through uh, New York City or whatever, that's pretty common in these type of movies. Uh, B-movie trope coincidences. Uh, there's a birthday party where they are expecting a clown to show up, but he's late. And then suddenly uh, Kabuki Man, you know, wanders into the party and uh, 
they're like, oh, the clown is here, which, of course, he's not. He's being chased by the bad guys, uh, who then open up fire with automatic Uzis who don't hit Kabuki Man or any of the children standing in front of him or behind him. But somehow they blow up the birthday cake. Um, so that that's just silliness. <laughs> Uh, we have the bad guys carrying around boxes that say explosives on them. I don't know the bad guys necessarily label their boxes uh, full of explosives, but uh, sometimes they do. We have the B-movie trope of an obvious stuntman. That happens several times, uh, especially in the, the later fight that's taking place on the rooftop. Lotus, who is a 22-year-old Asian woman. She's very attractive and slender. Uh, and then there are some scenes where we see her from the back, and suddenly she has a coat on and a wig. And uh, and she's wearing that same outfit when she falls off the building. And uh, so, yeah, there's some pretty obvious uh, stunt work, uh, you know, people being substituted in and out. Uh, we have the thing where uh, you could see the wires when Kabuki flies. I mentioned that. Um, there's also a uh, some obviously inserted stock footage of the Empire State Building, uh, and um, <laughs> it doesn't look like any of the other footage in the movie, so it just really sticks out uh, that they did that. See that over there? It's the beautiful Empire State Building. And if I was to drop you over that point just right, you would get a crash course in proctology. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, and I put the, uh, let's see, the captain, the police captain, uh, changes his mind. And of course he shows up at the last minute, uh, and decides that Kabuki man wasn't crazy at all, uh, and saves the day. Uh, what else did I, I probably have so many, I'm going to cut this off, but, um, uh, there's one where, uh, Sergeant Kabuki man holds up his police badge and then the bad guys shoot the, the badge out of his hand and it makes the sound like that, you know, which is just, just dumb. <laughs> and also there's so much bad police work in this movie, which I know you can't pick apart, um, police, you know, uh, procedures or whatever in a film like this, but there's so many times like where Sergeant Kabuki man is on the stage and the bad guys are in front of it. And so he's at the back of the stage, they're in the front of the stage and he's shooting at them towards the audience. And that seems like something a police officer wouldn't necessarily do. And he's constantly, everybody is firing their guns into crowds and things. Um, so anyway, you can go on and on about this movie, but there's just lots of, uh, uh, stuff that just doesn't seem to make sense. And that really brings me to the boggling questions. Uh, I'm, I've already beat the clown thing to death. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Um, I wrote down, why do people accept Griswold's badge? So after he turns into Sergeant Kabuki man, and later when he turns into the clown, uh, the police show up and they're like, Hey, you know, drop your weapon. And he goes, no, 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 I'm Sergeant Griswold. And he shows them the badge and they're like, Oh, it's you Griswold. But they can't tell it's him because he looks like a giant Kabuki master or a clown. So it could be anybody who just found his badge. So I just found it really odd that they would, um, you know, if you just show somebody a badge that the police will immediately assume that you're somebody they know. Um, here's a boggling question for you. At one point, Sergeant Kabuki man gets run over by a car. He's completely flattened like a cartoon character. And then he reinflates himself and comes back to life. So I'm not sure why he's afraid of anything else in this movie. I mean, when the bad guys are chasing him in the car and he's running, why doesn't he just get run over then too? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, because we really don't understand what his powers are or what they aren't or what can hurt him, uh, and what can't. 
Um, Towards the end of the film, Sergeant Kabuki Man loses his powers because he doesn't have a woman's love. Um, But when he first turns into Kabuki Man, he hasn't even really met Lotus. uh, And he's not in love with her then. Uh, So that's like something that gets thrown in at the 11th hour that the whole rest of the movie doesn't really uh, uh, coincide with. Uh, I put a boggling question. Why does everybody get shot in the middle of the forehand? <laughs> I think they just found out a really good way to do that uh, uh, special effect. And then there was a really big boggling question. As one of the bad guys uh, keeps saying the word weenie. He keeps saying, you're a weenie, you're a weenie. And then at the end, Sergeant Kabuki Man takes a picture of him and he disappears. And all that's left is his high tops. And they're full of weenies. Smile, you're on Kabuki Camera. <laughs> Yes, I am a weenie after all. I don't get that. I, mean, I don't get the joke at all. Just the fact that he said weenie and then he turned into a hot dog weenie. I mean, that that's just, I mean, that's like a joke you would make when you're seven uh, and you've been drinking. For seven-year-old alcoholics would make that joke. I don't know who, who else that's funny for. You're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Do you have the right to an attorney or an undertaker? The multiple sadness rating on this. How much do I enjoy this movie? Well, you know, I complained a lot about this movie, but this movie really is funny. Um, It's a fun idea, uh, but I can't give it five. I'm going to give it four out of five uh, samurai swords. Uh, I do enjoy the movie. Like I said, there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of things going on. But uh, some of the the over-the-top, the, the violence towards the women, uh, I don't really care for. And um, the pace towards the end of the movie just kind of ruins it. It just slows down, uh, you know, for the last 15, 20 minutes. So uh, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, I mean, I would probably watch Chopping Mall <laughs> before I watch this again. Um, but it, it's fun, you know, when you have the guys over and people are drinking, you're like, hey, let's throw on a movie. Then this is an okay one to throw on if the kids uh, aren't going to be around. And that pretty much wraps up another episode of Multiple Sadness. Uh, if you want to find us, you can go to multiplesadness.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash multiple sadness or at multiple sadness on Twitter. Uh, this show is on the acpn.com podcast network. So if you want to go to the acpn.com, you can find us there. If you like podcasts about goofy movies like this, be sure to check out crazy, creepy, cool movies by Doug McCoy, which you can find on throwbacknetwork.net, which is your home for quality retro podcasts. I'm going to finish out with the music here, and then I will uh, spoil the very ending of the movie for you, followed by the Sergeant Kabuki Man theme song. So if you don't want to have the ending spoiling, uh, go ahead and tune out as the music fades out here. Otherwise, hang in and find out the ending of this movie.
We hear about the prophecy multiple times throughout the movie, uh, about the monkey riding on a jaguar and the tiger feeding on the nubile and all these things. Well, the bad guys can't get a monkey, but they get a lemur, and they get a jaguar, quote, trained to let a monkey ride on its back. By the way, uh, the real monkey talks, which is another odd thing. And what have we in this cage? Now, this is the jaguar, and he's been trained to have a monkey ride on his back. Okay, well, now, as for the monkey, we tried to get a regular monkey, but this lemur is the only kind of monkey that can ride side saddle. Uh, eventually, Sergeant Kabuki Man traces down the bad guys, um, and the prophecy is fulfilled not because the monkey rides on a real jaguar, but because the bad guys have driven a jaguar and the monkey gets in the car. Also, the tiger does eat uh, one of the women. Uh, the prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, Reginald turns into the evil one, and there's a final showdown. Sergeant Kabuki Man uh, is able to defeat him, and everybody lives happily ever after, except us, the audience.
Look, I've got newspapers all over my ass about a vigilante cop. This is it, Harry. This is the last warning. There will be no more makeup, no more Komodos, and no more chopsticks. <laughs>